I have two mates that we hung out with on the weekend. One of them has a great northern tattoo, and the other one got a uh, wow. 4X castle mate tattoo on his arm. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, a regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views, and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire Burnett. G'day, guys. Morning, Pete. Morning, Pete. How do we find you this morning? Not too bad. It's getting very summery here. We've had three days of cloudless weather. 37 degrees it got to on Mm. Monday. And and low humidity, so it's almost almost nice. If it stays like this, (laughs) I I could almost live in Brisbane. But (laughs) then that humidity is going to roll around. It's going to be terrible. (laughs) If that's the worst you've got to cope with, then... Oh, yeah. Mr. Earthquake over it. I I don't want to complain about the same things. Like, it's... You know, people (laughs) think... There'd be an element of Groundhog Day about it. Yeah, that's it. How's it going down there, Pete? Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don't time. drive angry, Pete. <laughs> no, no, no. He's no, chill. I'm, Look I'm, at him. I'm, 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 on, I'm on holidays. So, You're on your holidays, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. I think we're into the 18th month of our <laughs> well, I don't know how long ago. What well, a staycation. That's great. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so it's, it's all good. As we've got a bit of uh, news to get through, do, and um, this is for uh, those of our listeners, if you're new to the program, we'll um, run through the, the main stories in case you A, missed them, or B, couldn't be asked checking them out, um, <laughs> but all of a sudden decided on Friday afternoon, oh, hang on, maybe I should catch up. So um, <laughs> that's what we'll do now. So uh, as we do each week, we'll cross live now to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap-up of stories making news in beer this week. Uh, and Claire, we begin with um, the IBA calling out beer market competition to the ACCC. Indeed. So I think it was two weeks ago when Matt was away, Pete, we were discussing how the ACCC was asking for submissions on the sale of Stonewood or parent company uh, Fermentum to Lion. So the IBA, of course, they will ma- have made a submission and they made some really interesting points in it. And I think they were very uh, critical of the ACCC. Rightly, from their perspective, they mentioned previous issues with the ACCC um, being what they called tepid uh, with tap contracts, um, not really being that critical of the Asahi takeover of CUB, and really talked about things that we've discussed on the podcast before in regards to the duopoly of the Australian beer market, um, the stranglehold that Lion and now Asahi have over that. But it was interesting as well because they did mention that uh, Endeavour Group, so owners of BWS and Dan Murphy's, uh, are technically the third biggest um, beer supplier, obviously not manufacturer, and made some interesting points about what the acquisition of Stone and Wood would mean for competition in the sector as well. So yeah, it was a really interesting one, but they did make the point that, that we sort of made the other week that you know the likelihood is that this is going to pass through a triple C. It's not going to be. Potentially it's not any controversial rules. thing. It's not breaking any rules that thus far. Um, but as we mentioned, the ACCC are in, in themselves in a really interesting position at the moment where they are trying to, I don't want to say power grab, that sounds a bit cruel and harsh, but they are wanting to take on more powers and have more powers and basically be more of an authority in that space. Uh, they, they want powers so they're not accused of being tepid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this exactly. is one of the funny things. Um, everyone looks at the ACCC as being the adjudicator Mm -hmm. uh, on these things. The ACCC, and go back and listen to the chat we had uh, with the head of the ACCC a couple of years ago, um, because he he, he talks about a lot of this. The ACCC is the police force. They investigate and, you know, technically arrest. You know, they they bring the case against um, a business or, you know, somebody who has fallen foul of competition law. But then they have to take it to court. So they're not the arbiter um, in, in this case. So they are essentially asking, and it, it, incidentally, um, I was away, as Claire said, when the ACCC announced this, you know, it was mainstream news coverage, the AFR, you know, the Australian, all of those, uh, you know, papers did it. Um, and 
I can honestly say I think the Bruce News coverage was the most insightful, um, you know, best coverage in, in, in the country. I've had people refer that to me. So congratulations, uh, Claire. That was an Thank awesome – it, it, it actually dealt with the issues rather than just sort of saying the ACCC. Yeah. If you go back and read that, there is this dynamic where the ACCC is trying to get more power and trying to push the government to – create the legislation so they don't have to be tepid, um, yep. which which is a, a very, very interesting thing to see. So, look, I, I'm, I'm surprised that they've even done this, mm-hmm. um, personally, when you look at uh, you know yeah, the Asahi thing, but what and it means. Realistically, we're just talking about the tiny little microcosm that is the beer world, but they cover everything, right? They cover everything. They don't have the money to take every single takeover to court, so they have to be really selective about what that is as well. And if it this is important to us as an industry and things like that but there are other things happening in other industries that are much more controversial um much bigger more, biscuits yeah bigger exactly uh so it kind of makes sense that they're a bit like this um I, just to put it into perspective and <laughs> uh, uh, you know not wanting to bang on about labeling again but when you look at what the ACCC's role is they, they're the policemen as claire just said they have they look at the entire economy um and the beer industry is a small part of that but then also because they're the police force they are only going to prosecute the cases that they're confident that they can win because they don't have the resources to go against cases that they don't think that they're going to win mm-hmm. um, so the last time we saw them actually act in the uh, um, brewing industry was on labeling where there was a clear-cut case of bad behaviour by one actor in the uh, thing. It was so clear-cut that the ACCC jumped in. They got a back down. They didn't even need to go to court. They got a you know self, you know, a, a court-enforced undertaking uh, about labelling. And then they used that to give a very clear direction to the industry to sort of say, well, you know, look at this. This is what we expect. And mm-hmm. two very clear lines. Big brewers need to identify who who owns the brand on the label. Small brewers, when they contract, need to say where and by whom the beer is made. The industry hasn't done that. The ACCC gave a very clear direction. The industry, um, sorry, the big brewers have. The small brewers haven't. And now the small brewers are essentially going, the ACCC is tepid in its response. And if I was the ACCC, I'd be going, well, F you. Um, <laughs> you didn't listen to us last time, so... <laughs> why, why would we act? Because we did act and you did nothing about it. You know, you didn't make sure that your own members or your own industry followed the very clear direction that we, we got. And so the, indi- the, the, the brewing industry has essentially put the ACCC in the position where they, to enforce what they have said is their expectation for labelling transparency, they have to wade in and punish a small brewer, which is exactly the yeah. same as the police setting up a uh, you know, um, speed trap at the bottom of a very, very steep hill um, and then getting people over you know, for going 5% over. Do we really want the ACCC to have to wade in and enforce against small breweries for their labelling? The industry should just do it themselves yeah. and give themselves credibility for the cop to then look at more important issues. Okay. Sorry, that's just my little um, soapbox. <laughs> but it, it, it is. It, it's it's, it's the, the frustration. The industry can't call the ACCC out and then when the ACCC actually acts, not to do the stuff themselves. Yep, and our listeners are thrilled that they're getting a little bit of a taste of below the fold in the, uh, in the news. <laughs> no, that, that wasn't a below the, the, the fold. That was relevant. That, that was, anyway, next story. Well, it's still relevant. Yeah, it's got to be relevant. Claire, Sober Beverages raised a million dollars through their crowdfunding. Indeed, so the Indigenous-owned zero-alcohol beer company uh, Sober closed its equity crowdfunding last week, 10 days early, and it raised its maximum amount of $1 million. Um, so obviously a massive achievement for Sober. That was just that's pretty impressive. We haven't really seen that kind of um, success, except we've seen spin effects the other week. But I think people are starting to understand the concept a bit more, and we've seen a few reasonably successful ones, a few not-so-successful ones, but I think it was just an amazing achievement for them. But one thing that Clinton uh, Clinton Schultz, who um, is co-founder of Sober, said is that he experienced and witnessed a lot of discrimination and negativity, and he was worried that what the response would be like, and I didn't Before even... Before they opened yeah, it, yeah. and I didn't even... I didn't even occur to me that that would be an issue, um, but the fact is that it has been so overwhelmingly positive they've got amazing coverage uh for what they do and i really like the fact that yeah they've gone and 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 as they sort of were talking about on um the podcast that you did with them matt you know 
they are like a First Nations company first. That's what they do. That's what they want to do. I think their mission statement was so clear in what they want to do that that was an almost exemplary for other companies to make sure that that kind of um, branding, marketing position and values were really clear. Our scepticism about equity crowdfunding um, isn't hidden. You know, the, the valuations. Yep. And I know, ask everybody every time, um, look, this is what you valued your company at. Do you think it's worth it? And like, it's a, it's ever... a bit of a harsh question, but just to make them know that, you know, this is an issue and like they've said, Spinifex and Sober were like, yep, yeah, do you know what? It is a lot, um, don't get me wrong, but it's about the potential of the business, um, whether you well, believe that or not. Said, everyone yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, says exactly. that. But yeah. then again, like, again, like, you know, at, at the end of the day, there are no, you know, tick this column, tick this column, tick this column, mm-hmm. and you know. But when you hear them speaking um, on, on, the, on the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, they've put a lot of thought into it. And you know, across the entire alcohol industry, mm-hmm. they gave what was, I thought, the most thoughtful answer about the whole issue of what is the market for zero-alc beers. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't actually come out and say it, but that this isn't actually about alcohol beer without alcohol in. There, there is an element of that, and I know that Clinton particularly enjoys, you know, he said that he enjoyed the flavour of beer but didn't want the alcohol. So there is that. But they're creating something that is a whole new class of beverage in, in, in a much bigger way um, than just taking the alcohol out of uh, beer. Um, and then when you've got the brand and everything around it, it, it really looks, you know, mm-hmm. it looks impressive um, to, to, to me, you know, just the, the, the thought and the insight and what, what, what they've done. So, yeah, look, it, 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 it's, it's interesting. And nice to report on a, uh, a successful crowdfunding effort that closed early because it was so successful. I know. Good stuff. We will keep in touch, though, and uh, see how it goes. I know a few um, who shall not be named haven't done so well in keeping communications with their investors and, um, you know, reporting their financials and things like that. I'm I'm hoping that Sober will. I'm I will that they say, will. yeah. Oh, look, that's <laughs> the I'm pretty thing. sure I, they will. I, I, whether scrutiny has a role in this or, or whatever, but... The standard of communication that has been coming out from the recent equity crowdfunders mm-hmm. has been actually um, pretty impressive, yeah. um, and that's that's one of the reasons why we take a stake in in most of them to see. Um, and funnily enough, I think the you know it, it, it's almost a litmus test for the business. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the I, I think some businesses have done an equity crowdfund as a last. Ditch attempt to cover Throw up. Throw of the yeah, dice or yeah. Yeah, like a, what do they call oh, it, a, a Hail Mary pass, yeah. um, just hoping that it lands. But the ones that are well organised and are communicating, well, you know, it's almost, yeah, it, yeah. it's almost a test of whether the business has, has a, you know, a strength to it. Exactly. Uh, next story, Claire. Uh, the Mill Brewery, this is the Mill down in uh, Victoria, yeah. uh, opening a second site. They are indeed. And you know, I really like this one as well because the mill for me have flown under the radar completely. I was aware of them. I didn't know how big they were. I didn't know much about them. But the fact is that they've grown through COVID to the point where they were like, yeah, we really need a produ- another production site. So they've opened a second production site in the suburb of Thomastown. Merrick Aldridge, owner, uh, he was like, it was really not an e- easy decision to make, you know, should we do this? Is demand just um, overinflated during COVID? Um, but this, the the idea that the impression that I got was that it's been steady growth, and then the success through COVID uh, just sort of capped that off. Obviously, not without its difficulties, um, especially because they really didn't have the capabilities to package beer that well. They had, were really reliant on mobile canners, and obviously. Um, your east coast of this world were absolutely rushed off their feet last year and still are. Uh, so this was a really a, this is a big investment to um, sort of future proof the brewery as well. Um, brought in a thirty hectare uh, brewery and they purchased that from another expanding Melbourne brewery. Although I didn't, I should have asked who it was, but because there's quite a few of them at the minute. Um, but not, that's not a bloody many, big one. Not, not too many that would have offloaded thirty hectares. Yeah, brewery. that's it. I'll ask anyway. Um, but it's just another great success story, uh, and well done to the mill. Um, I think I compared them in the article to Burley Brewing, which um, obviously a f- fair bit older, but very much along the same lines, chugging along, just doing what they do well, and not necessarily making a big fuss about it or a splash. And I'm really glad they came to us and, and told us about this one, actually. I was really happy about that. Funnily enough, Pete, look, again, they, because we're not in Melbourne they ju- and they don't make a big noise, they don't 
you know, send media releases to us, you know, expecting us to deliver, you know, their, their news to an audience. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mirek, uh, Mirek, uh, uh, hopefully the pronunciation is there, he actually reached out to us two years ago um, when we were going to the States. Um, and I hope he doesn't mind me quoting from, from the email, but he actually just said, we're a small brewery and tap room in Collingwood, started by myself and have grown to a total of four employees. This is a couple oh, of years ago. Not so small now, are We've you, mate? We've probably <laughs> flown under the radar the last three years, um, as we tend to do. Um, but our locals in Collingwood seem to have found us and uh, enjoy our beers. Oh, and wow. you're, you're kind of going, well... Yeah, like totally you, understated there. Totally apparently. understated there. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he was in um, Portland and San Diego around the time that we were there, and the dates just didn't line up. Otherwise, it would have been awesome to have had a uh, had a beer with him. So oh, he's definitely well, on we'll the list. Um, yeah. Once borders open, um, that we'll go and uh, have a have, have a beer in that awesome. uh, tap room. Cool. Yeah. Oh, even if the with the borders, I, I still can't get there because it's outside in the. My kilometre range, unfortunately. Well, that's a, that, <laughs> you on a kilometer that in now? itself is a border, Plus not allowed to open anyway, border so. is just yeah. a fictitious line on a map. <laughs> Are you encouraging be, the breaking of said rule? No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm just sort of saying this idea that state borders, you know, it's just a, it, it's just a pretend thing. <laughs> but it's it's that's a right. it's a real thing because you can't cross it. Tell Dan Andrews yeah. and. Gladys. Well, not Gladys anymore. But <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, etc. <laughs> Something else that's a real thing is $900,000 a grant given to Beer Farm. They have indeed. So By New South Wales. How yeah, it was a really interesting one because we knew that Beer Farm was setting up in New South Wales, but they were only, I think they um, submitted their development application in about March around then. Uh, so they were like not quite ready to talk. And then the local papers got onto it, didn't even ask them about it. I think they were like oh crap you know we didn't want anyone to know about this yet and I believe that they were in the process of applying for uh, the regional job That's creation fund. what happens fund. when governments are trans- transparent <laughs> isn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes exactly. Um, so they were in the process of applying to the New South Wales government's uh, regional job creation fund which has already supported uh, I think Tumut River and Jarvis Bay um, down on the south coast uh, and so what they're doing is they've given beer farm 900k to set up their new venue and brewery on the central coast um so it's a blooming big job um they think they're going to create nearly 50 jobs and uh hopefully they well they haven't got their approvals yet so they didn't want to put a date on it um but for, let's be honest if the new south wales government is supporting you i don't think the council's going to have a go um and all the submissions that i've been reading uh in their development application were so positive about it they were really happy about a company coming in and doing something with that area and i think that's uh the benefit of having a brewery there it's not only um creating jobs um creating manufacturing jobs creating hospitality jobs but it can do a lot for an area especially an area like uh the one that it's going into so um good luck to beer farm let's yeah let's see how you get, you get on. the comments on the post on this one are interesting because you've got mm-hmm. some people going awesome can't wait you know look this is in our backyard mm-hmm. awesome 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 and then you've got other people saying oh the new south wales government is so i shouldn't put it on the fog voice because it's a perfectly valid mm-hmm. point of view um do new south wales taxpayers get free beer, get free beer all that you're luring a new zealand yeah. you know, a, a west australian business over yeah and the these are the discussion, you know. Th- yeah. th- these are the funny um, discussions that the industry is having. You yeah. know, it, it's just like we're independent, but yep. you know, all of our stainless steel came from overseas. You know, our, our hops are purchased from overseas. You know, um, mm-hmm. they're still employing you know up to fifty people in New South Wales. Yeah, their money's staying in Australia. If the, that helps. Well, <laughs> presumably I don't yeah. know yeah I mean I, I don't, don't think know the ownership. I, I, I don't think so but it's, yeah. it's, it's just one. but so what if you know a business that employs exclusively in Australia mm-hmm. you know buys all of its grain and its hops from Australia um, again not saying that this is beer farm mm-hmm. but then you know that fraction of their global turnover goes overseas mm-hmm. isn't that a zero-sum game in the same way as you know a, a business in Australia that's not really making a profit but spending all of its money overseas mm-hmm. and is still employing locally it's it's just one of those really interesting conversations that we see over and over and over again taking place and i i, I think sometimes that misses the bigger issue um about the vibrancy of the beer industry the employment in the beer industry and and, and, and some of those things mm-hmm. i wonder if people would critique it and say well why don't we why don't they support new south wales but that's not the purpose of the grant either. It's mm. to create jobs in regional areas. It's not 
the that's, primary aim of the fund is not to support breweries. So. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and the IBA, um, you know, uh, when you go back and listen to the chat we had with Peter Philp, um, mm-hmm. you know, about excise, yep. they're saying every town should have its, you know, local craft brewery. And no one's going to invest in these regionally. You know, everyone's setting up in established craft beer yep. places like the Inner West. And Peter was saying, well, you know, we don't want any more in the Inner West. Mm-hmm. We want them out there. But there's a risk. You know, there's a bigger risk to setting up in a place that doesn't have an established, you know, presumably an established uh, yeah. market. And these sorts of grants are luring businesses. Um, and, it, you know, yeah, it's, yeah anyway. It, it's a tricky one. It is. Um, it's complex. Um, we're looking at Nuanced. that. For, nuance. We're looking at the same, this sort of, um, an, as an element of our States of Brewing report about sort of the support that, states provide breweries and you'll be really interested to hear that WA is by far and large the biggest funder of breweries. I think they've invested in the past year 3.18 million into breweries through their various different funds Mm. which is really interesting given that they don't have a strategy like the New South Wales Action Plan or the Queensland Craft Beer Strategy or whatever. So what kind of support are you after and what's more important to you I suppose? Look, I mean you raise a (laughs) massive issue because should the government have you know a brewing like Queensland government craft beer strategy um, big song and dance very self promotional on behalf of the government to promote itself you know something that it thinks is very very popular uh-huh. but then you look at you know the fire levy they screwed over brewers who they made get hotel licenses so they could operate uh-huh. and then charge them more for it well where does that fit into your craft beer strategy the current um, legislation before um, Parliament about cafe licenses, but beer is excluded. Well, how does that you know, a- a- access to market is specifically included in your craft beer strategy, and you haven't even paid lip service to your craft beer strategy? And there's two or three other things that you know the the, the craft beer permits and things like that. I think brewers would much rather get business support and get all of the benefit mm-hmm. rather than have some nonsense document that's mm-hmm. waved under their noses and is never even supported yeah. and w- which is why we're doing that state of the states um you know actually looking at what states are doing for different awesome. um industries and talking of other states and what they're up to Pete, don't mind if i jump in there because otherwise we can no, keep nattering about this for ages no, <laughs> so the new south wales and act container deposit schemes are run i believe by the same organizer uh, exchange for change um they've announced new pricing so they've lowered the pricing of um for suppliers of the containers that go into the schemes um in new south wales in the act they had a completely ins- what to me looked like a completely insane system of figuring out how much uh, a container would cost that particular month uh instead of just doing it for like a six-month batch so they've changed that but somebody commented on the facebook uh, post that we did that actually that is uh, what they're doing in the ACT is making uh, the s- price for containers for suppliers more expensive in the ACT. So I'm going to have to get a little uh, table of them uh, and just discuss <laughs> why that is the case because in New South Wales this exact same organiser of the scheme uh, said that we're lowering these prices because of COVID because people haven't been able to go to the um, return points and things like that. Um, so it was a really odd way of doing it and I they were talking about trying to get it in continuity in the schemes and do them all the same hmm. which is which makes sense but then how can you use the reasoning for new south wales and then don't not do that exact same thing for acd i would really love odd. to look into cds's generally because one of the flaws with it at the start was you know like wine didn't have you know, a, a return on it. Like wine didn't have to pay and different mm. things. And, you know, plastic you know, plastic bottles you see thrown out um, a, a lot. I don't see cans and bottles littering the streets the way that plastic drink bottles are um, because you're not generally out on the street or, you know, out, out and about necking from beer because it's illegal. Yep. You're not allowed to have an open container um, in, in a lot of places. And I go through a lot of beer cans Um not, I don't drink them all, um, or not all of them, <laughs> but I, I've never once been to a container return scheme um, because I put I'm all... Gonna, yeah, I recycle them anyway. I recycle I have a lot them. I have time to go and <laughs> visit. For, for, for the 10 cents, it's not worth my time to do it. Now, clearly some people it is, and you know they value it, but 
all of the 10 cents or the 15 cents or however much mm-hmm. it is that's levied on the cans that I recycle that I don't that, that I recycle but don't CDS that's pure profit um, when considering that they factored in their margin into every can that goes through the CDS which mm-hmm. is why they charge 15 cents and only pay back 10 cents yep. so these businesses must be that, that are owned by the big things must be making an absolute bomb so oh, absolutely I'd be yeah we're gonna have to have a look at yeah there the thing is as well they are so confrontingly complex to understand from an outside perspective unless you have to do this all day every day and I know some breweries have had to have people on that literally are there working out how the hell this thing works and this is where the government you know again you can have a craft beer strategy or in Queensland the, you know, the that I know more intimately a lot of the legislation is under red tape production and you're going start with this well, you, well, <laughs> that's you, not what I'm saying you government is about creating red tape so you know let, 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 let's <laughs> to not, justify its existence to justify its existence so you know if people were already recycling I'd love to see what the increase is on cans that are being returned, mm-hmm. the recovery rates for cans and bottles over yeah. before the CDS, and has it just been switching <gasps> from recycling to who knows? FOI, yeah. let's get on it. Okay, all right. There's a job for Speaking you, Claire. Of cans. <laughs> Speaking of cans, uh, voting opens for the 2021 Gabs Can Design Awards, Claire. They do indeed. So voting will be open from the first to the tenth of October, and then if you vote, you get cast, uh, you get entered into a draw, and all these kinds of things. But what was really interesting is that obviously we love the Can Design Awards and um, I've already seen loads of people emailing, messaging, trying to get people to vote for them and stuff, which is really cool, which is really nice. And there's been some amazing Can Designs uh, coming out in the past year. Even more so, I bet, uh, because of COVID, because of everyone going into packaging, uh, which might not have been something that they'd have done before. But even if you're a small brew pub um, and you've just put stuff into cans and you think you've got a cool design, like that would be amazing. Get Everybody get on it. Is all I have to say. Yeah. Although I might and have a chat were... to the Gabs people about whether there was an increase in entries and things this year. I think that would be a cool story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it would be. Because, like, again, you know, we wanted to say it was all about the liquid. You know, if you go back 15 years ago, oh, so is it, you know, mm-hmm. I just used the word liquid. I used to hate, you know, oh, the beer marketers. You know, it's not a liquid, it's uh, beer. Yeah, say, it's, say, it's, say booze <laughs> instead. <laughs> Don't well, wind him up, me. <laughs> well, but, but the, the, you know, when you're talking about the product and, you know, I mean, beer has changed, like as, as we'll come to in below the fold. But packaging is such an important part, and the market and all of those marketing, you know, um, is is ever more important. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like this. Is you know, they, they could have just done a yet another beer competition um, where beers are being judged. We're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, every, everyone seeing it as a commercial opportunity. Celebrate packaging as yep. a, as the high art that it can be. And we go to, I'm guessing, the Gab's website to cast your vote. Uh, you do indeed. Uh, we'll get the link in the show notes as well. Excellent. And if you're a brewer and uh, perhaps you're looking at some of the competition and thinking, oh, geez, we need to up our game, um, but, you know, I can't really afford to get a heap of cans printed, you might look at, I don't know, an alternative. Rowling's label stickers and packaging are able to not just supply labels for your cans or bottles if you're still doing it old school, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. They do can trays, tap decals, barcodes, shrink sleeves applied already to empty beer cans ready for filling. So uh, the cans come to your door, they're palletized and they're ready to fill. Nothing more to do except then perhaps, you know, win a prize. One more thing to do that. Uh, that most other people have done, and it's the simplest bit. It's to pick up the phone and dial these numbers in the order that I'm about to read them out. One, three, zero, zero, eight, five, two, two, three, five. Um, and then have a chat and get some um, some uh, labels from Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging. Beautiful. And we thank them for our support. We do. Well, we thank them for their support. <laughs> but they, they thank <laughs> us for I, our support. I'm sure they do, yeah. You know what I mean. Everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's it for the news. You're all caught up. Uh, so if you need to get back to work now, um, now's the time to do it. So thanks very much for joining us on uh, this particular episode, 339 of um, Brews News Week. But if you wish, feel free to hang around where we're just going to get, um, well, that was the, the meat. Now we're going to get to the bone <laughs> around which the meat <laughs> is wrapped in a little thing we like to call below the fold. And we always start below the fold with our mailbag. 
Don't forget you can review us on iTunes or send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week. Uh, you can also join our Facebook group and leave comments there. You can email us, uh, bump us in, into us into the street, um, meet us in a dark car park and speak out the side speak of your mouth. Yourself. And say, <laughs> I don't want to go on the record, but... <laughs> well, yeah, that, name, that happens but, a lot. Yeah, and uh, we would say, oh, that's really good, that's really good. Um, do you know something else? Um <laughs> New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to <laughs> www.nzaletrail.com or at NZ Ale Trail on all social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Um, we do thank them for their support of um, Mailbag. What's in the mailbag this week, Claire? Well, the first one I put in because, uh, and I'm sorry about this, Josh Costal Nick. I'm hoping I've got that right. Um, because I didn't reply to this, I didn't have any signal all weekend. We had a long weekend. Um, in Queensland, he says, Claire, how could you not have seen that Simpsons episode? I'm from Canada, and that reference comes up like every two weeks. Right, in my defence, that episode came out in 1995 <laughs> when I was four years old, okay? So, you haven't gone back and watched I didn't know it off by heart, and I have oh. seen it since. Pete sent me a clip of it afterwards, and I was like, oh shit, yeah, I have seen that. Um, so, I apologise, and I need to up my game on my references. However, I don't apologise to Josh, apologise to me for leaving me hanging. Oh, I'm sorry. I was expecting Matt. And... Surely Matt would have jumped in on that one. But... Listen to last week's episode if you didn't. Um, yeah, and Here it, it was, a, yeah, where Bart gets. Yeah. Threatened to be booted up the ass by the Australian PM. And yeah, yeah it's great. It's a, it is a classic. I'll with, give you that. With, I apologize. Yeah, a great Australian accent. Yeah, loved. <laughs> terrible, aren't they? Oh. $900 dollar dues. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're all shouting out the window to each other, like, Oi, Bill. I'm going to speak to my local member. Yeah. He's in the farm, yeah. <laughs> in an, sitting in an inner tube drinking Foster. Oh, all right, okay, yeah. It's pretty bloody good. Um, yeah. But, uh, Rob Stewart, also <laughs> in the Facebook group. It, indeed, yes. Um, <laughs> Rob says, in the chat with you regarding Great Northern, there was a phrase that piqued my interest. When talking about product development and changing a product, he specifically used the word blends when talking about tinkering with products. I know high grab brewing and then diluting down to the desired ABV is a standard thing, but to me the term blend implies breweries are brewing a limited number of high grav uh, high gravity warts, uh, fermenting these and then fixing them in different ratios to achieve uh, the desired flavour profile uh, to create the variation in their portfolio. Is this a correct assumption? That's potentially probably one for our Brewers Perspective podcast. Oh, uh, good idea. Uh, jump o- over nice. to the Brewery Pro channel. Um, nice, nice plug. Yeah, well, it might, <laughs> I might actually ask uh, the, the, the Brewers for their perspective on this. Yes, um, good idea. But... Yeah, there's a range of uh, things. You know, for example, um, if there is one batch that's slightly out of spec, mm-hmm. you salt it into the next nine batches. You know, mm-hmm. so putting you know like a tenth into yeah. each of the next nine batches, so to blend it through them, mm-hmm. so the consistency of of the beer. And but a lot of craft brewers do that as well. Mm. Um, the ones that have got the capacity to do it, you know, yeah. as, as a way to ensure consistency and quality, um, is another way of doing it. I, yeah. to be honest, when we were sort of talking, um, that. That actually slipped by me because it wasn't the thing that I was focusing on. So it was interesting. I was interested that he picked up on it. Mm. It was an interesting chat. You know, like again, marketers are marketers um, in the sense that they focus on their their thing mm-hmm. um, and, and and marketing. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was interesting to just sort of get a little bit of an insight mm. um, from it. And you know, again, I, I I still think the you know brands come to the the, the consumer takes the brand as their own um, and you can try and tell a consumer what your brand is but they pick it up and that was where there was just a genius around the Great Northern thing that I I, I, I think there was obviously some insight that they just got right but they just also got lucky with time and you know a whole lot of you know, mm. way, the way that they and, did And it. as you and I found out, Matt, it, uh, it, it transcends the, the brand itself when, you know, the number of people that we've had come up to us at, at the uh, at the Ecker and ask for them uh, something to taste like them Greg Normans. Greg Norman Super Crisp. Yeah, I have to make so, a confession hmm. about Great Northern. I have two mates that we hung out with on the weekend. One of them has a Great Northern tattoo and the other one got a uh, wow. 4X Castlemaine tattoo on his arm. How <laughs> old like, are they? Like a 4X? Tw- they're like 24. 
Well, that's it. The, 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 I'd love to get the ironic book, heritage brand. Well, the Forex one would be everything the Great old Northern. Is new again. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because that just was the, well, is Matt, it a Marlin, the, the fish. Great Northern goes back to the legendary brewing company. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, no, no. It goes back to the Great Northern Brewing Company. Um, oh, that's right. But the legendary brewing company. The legend was, uh, was the modern Jack, creation. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah that, that's right. Mm. We, but that kind of tell that to me said like that's the kind of impact these brands have on like the newer generation of drinkers as well, which was crazy to that is, point where they'd get that tattooed on them, and they're a bit mental as well. But. Well, but but that, I was like Forex was the iconic because when I was mm-hmm. his age, there was a little Mister Forex that was a throwback to the thirties. You know, wearing the boater hat, and so he was classic. It was related to Mr. Sheen. Did he have a monocle as well? No. What, like the Monopoly man? He doesn't, <laughs> have, a, he doesn't have a monocle. He doesn't have a he, monocle. It, He's just got googly eyes. It's one of the greatest misconceptions. There's actually a name for it. Go, go. There's a whole thing written about perceptions. Oh. Everyone thinks that he's got a monocle. But, but he, he doesn't. actually doesn't. Oh my god, that's yeah. so weird. Go have a that's look at so it. It's, it's um, something that psychologists hold like up as fake memories and stuff fake like memories. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> um, that's crazy. But uh, anyway, like back to James Mr. Forex versus Fraser Briggs. Oh, oh, do you want to tell us talk, yeah, talk go about on, that? Kate. No, I did last week, but I just um, I, it might maybe we can include. We'll the, pop it um, in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll put the pictures picture of the, in there of the two six packs. And um, I just for listeners before we uh, went live, I. Uh, just waved across uh, here, you know, in front of the camera. What what beer was this? And both Claire and Matt look, just glancing at it. Oh, it's, it's James Bogues, and it's actually the it's the Fraser Briggs, which is the the Eldie. Uh, it's not a rip off; it's a hom- an homage <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to a brand that perhaps already exists. Oh, I love. Well, words. see, this is the thing but about. I, I think it's made by the same people who make the James Bogues. Just. Quietly, so oh, uh, do you? I, so I don't, I don't, oh, okay. Well, it, it's brewed in New Zealand, so I'm I'm assuming. But that, that could it's be independent distillers. By line, for example, it could be because independent be. distillers was a contract brewer. You know, I'd I'd be surprised if Lion was a contract brewing. Wouldn't it be great if a label told you where a beer was made and by whom? <laughs> well, this one does. Fraser Briggs, especially made for LD stores, and then the address in Minchinbury, New South Wales, www.ld.com.au, and then underneath that, in a box, made in New Zealand. But it doesn't oh, no, but, no preservatives. But this is the thing, it's, it's made for Audi so like you, you, you know, but yeah, doesn't Aldi have doesn't have independent, have a independent does it have the independence label? No, it doesn't. No, well, it wouldn't, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we yeah. But Stone um, Woods uh, Green Coast Lager does, even though it's made it you know, it could easily be made at line and still have the independence. Well, not anymore, but Well you did make a good point <laughs> about, you know, people attaching to a brand and I was just thinking out loud that uh, and that's why some people get upset when that attachment is, is taken away or it's, you know, it, it's sold just yeah. to the highest bidder. Mm. Stone and Wood should be getting thrown out the IPA soon, surely, shouldn't they? Is that? Uh, well, yeah, we probably we'll ask. follow we'll up ask. on that. Well, okay. uh, well it, it's, just a, it's just a matter of when, but yeah. we, we haven't. You know, hopefully they resigned and, you know, mm. didn't have to sort of walk the plank. <laughs> I would have liked to see that. Now, if you're a brewer and you don't have the ability to um, perhaps – blend your beers but you'd like to um you could speak to scar fabricating because they build reliable automated packaging line equipment that's handcrafted to make life easier for brewers and their production team so if you're a brewer looking for the best way to get your product out of the tap room and into the hands of your customers Scarfab has you covered they've got a wide range of depalletizers custom conveyancing date coating rinsing drying systems and a whole lot more they specialize in helping breweries of all sizes get their beer from keg to can to find out more about how Scarfab can help you sell more beer, visit scarfabricating.com today. That's scar, S-K-A, fabricating.com to get started today. We're done with the mailbag, actually. We're on done to um, a couple of additions that um, I believe Matt put in. Oh, okay. To uh, discuss. Now, uh, just for Josh, uh, Rob, I'm sure we've looked after before, but Josh, I don't know. Um, Josh, please send us a... I don't know if yeah. he's from Canada and that's living it. in Australia, or is he calling in from Canada? Yeah, that's it. I well, think he, he, I think he's Lord, Lord Josh, so uh, I, I think he is in Canada. So, um, oh. yeah, please, uh, we're more than happy to uh, send it. Send us a local address if you can. Yeah. Because you won't get it. Especially no, I'll send it coming to, out of Australia at the moment. Well, um, you just won't get it for a while, but we're happy to pay US. the postage. You gave it. You yeah. invested your time in us. We'll invest our money in postage. <laughs> Even if it was Matt, just abusing me. Matt hasn't seen the postage. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, there, was a, there was a story in the news this week that because there are so few planes uh, going in and out of Australia mm. now, 
um, it's costing a lot more to get. And there are some places that just say, no, we're not sending it to Australia. Wow, that's crazy. Well, I've been speaking to a few brewers that were supposed to be bringing in some gear from China and things like that. Just the the price of freight in general, postage in general, is just astronomical at the minute. They were like, it's almost not worth it. And I was like, no, keep going, you can do it. Um, But yeah, bad times all around for anyone getting brew kit in or trying to send anything to Canada. Yeah. Fortunately, Pete, did you get your package from me? With, I did yesterday. Thank you. There you go. So uh, it was just from John Hole. It took a long time to get here. And uh, yeah, so we've got some of the Defend Pilsner t-shirts and the... Excellent. Um, w- which is nice. And uh, he gave us a bunch of stickers that uh, we'll be going into with the bar blades courtesy of our friends at uh, Thirsty Merch, who also do our Excellent. t-shirts. So uh, yep. So some of our Thirsty Merch shirts are going over too. Um, but yeah, um, I-, I wanted to talk about... It was something that... A uh, comment that was set. New Brewery, you might remember Steel City Lager... Yeah, um, I was just thinking that exact same thing when I read it. A couple of surfers, mm-hmm. Newcastle footballers. Rugby league stars launch new beer. Um, this is on The Shout, and I'll put same a link in the Same as Bloke in the Bar as well, isn't it? Oh, it's, bloke yeah, in the Bar like it, that? But, okay, this is when I bang on about labelling, quite apart from you can't ask the ACCC to protect you when you won't actually do what the ACCC says. But then, you know, look, good luck to these guys. If they want to come in and they think they've got an idea for a beer and they can create a brand based on their... Um, beer and it's NRL stars Josh and Brett Morris and Trent Hodgkinson um, along with a group of friends <laughs> and, and we'll have to find out who this group of friends is um, you know gee those surfers did pretty well out of it we're going to create a <laughs> beer brand um, it, it is one thing and then you know it's, it's every bloke um, you know is laced on a boat suddenly wants to, to have a beer to be fair both Josh and Brett Morris uh, have this year finished up they've retired from um from oh. NRL. Shouldn't they haven't saved any so of their money and they need another business <laughs> no, idea? So, so they, no, they need something to keep them occupied. This is um, something we've always wanted to do kind of thing. Who knows? Oh. Yeah, well, and, and it possibly is, but it just sort of stuck out that, you know, Why the team worked with A Sydney Brewer to perfect the recipe and create an easy-drinking beer that tastes like beer instead of fruit juice and doesn't sit heavy in the stomach. Ooh, um, I've been hearing that phrase about how beer should taste like beer and not fruit juice a lot. Beer recently. should taste like what you want beer to taste like. Yeah, you know, whatever um, that is. W- whatever that is. And, mm-hmm. you know, shit canning one said segment of the market mm-hmm. to get a competitive advantage doesn't help anybody. Yep. You know, it, it basically is an indicia for people who just want to make some money themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, there is a whole other argument about when beer looks and is marketed as fruit juice, which I'll come to in, in, in the next thing. But, you know, again, so... <sighs> If you invest money in stainless steel, you are competing against people that are just going to come and set up a brand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if consumers like these footballers or they like, you know, judging by the difference between uh, Great Northern and Iron Jack, the whole cattleman's thing probably doesn't work that well as a marketing point. Well, the cattleman... Are they cattlemen of any kind? Are they related oh, to so Maybe they're from the country. Areas? Maybe that's where they saw their marketing advantage is uh, marketing it out do. to cattlemen. Oh, and that's not, but that's not very authentic, but if they do, is it? Good luck to them. You know, if if they're targeting blokey cattlemen, you know, because like that's it's not cattle person. Um, yeah, what's that about? Yeah, a. Eh? Eh? Um, well, I I looked at it um, when Tommy Radonikus, the uh, great uh, New South Wales uh, rugby league player, and was coach of the uh, State of Origin side, the New South Wales State of Origin side. Um, they had a call which was cattle dog, and you'd yell cattle dog, and that meant start a fight. Um, so you'd break from the scrum, you'd, you'd start a fight. Okay. In the, in the mm. If you were if you were behind or you needed that that edge, you'd just you know uh, basically it was a you know code for punch a Queensland. And, uh, <laughs> And so I, I looked at Cattleman's Lager and thought, oh, that's oh no, hang on, that was Cattle Dog. So I just yeah. wonder whether there's a, a, a maybe a bit of a a, a call out to that. Uh, well, as well. Yeah. well, given it's a couple of footballers, Cattleman's, they're talking about um, you know something that doesn't taste like fruit juice. They're, they're going for a market. They're going for a market mm-hmm. of you know. Like, uh, and it's mid strength. And it's mid strength. And, so and, and fair mid, enough. Mid strength, low calorie. Presumably, if it doesn't sit heavy in your stomach, is that code for it's low cal or it's mm. low carb? Uh, it, well, I, I don't know. Well, mm. that, that's the thing. That's what low carb beer used to say over regular, like over beer that tasted yeah. like beer that wasn't. It doesn't sit heavy in your stomach. Um, and, and you know, it doesn't help anybody to shit can the in, you know, parts of the industry to get a commercial advantage. But then this is also the thing. If, if there is absolutely zero barrier to entry. If you can get thirty grand together from a bunch of mates and just have a, you know, 
flip of the wheel of, uh, I was going to say blackjack, but it's probably roulette, um, you know, spin of the wheel of roulette and see if you can get this brand and then get a second order. There's zero barrier to entry. There is a huge barrier to entry in investing in stainless steel and having to get the permits and, and, and those sorts of things. Yep. And this is what I find astounding as somebody who just watches the industry, you know, about the labelling thing, that if the brewers who have invested in stainless steel aren't going, well, we need to protect the investment that we've made by clearly labelling, this came out of a brewery that I own in some format so that all of the contract brewers who are just going to phone in an order, um, and we don't even know what brewery this came from. Um, and, and you do get from some of the people that take in other people's washing um, in you know, small breweries that want to fill out their production, um, going, well, look, it helps me to sort of do these other beers. The reason it helps you is because you're not selling enough of your own beer. This is competing um, in your market. But not only that, you should get the premium that comes with having invested in stainless steel, is, is my view. But well, what do I know? Um, anyway, um, yeah, we talked. Oh, and look, and look, there's a there's a spot that's just opened up for um, ex NRL players to um, to put a beer on the market because I'm tipping that uh, young Cameron Munster's brand um, has possibly been dinted a little bit by his actions this week. And oh, which brand is uh, that? Oh, yeah, uh, he's got uh, Mad Dog Ginger Beer. Mad Dog. Okay. There yeah. you go. Oh, I didn't know they were doing it. He was oh, doing well, it with maybe, maybe as it turns out, it's completely on brand. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure that that's going to hurt him at all. I think it was always in the name. There you yeah, go. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, <laughs> anyway. Um, what now, else we got? Just following on, uh, another thing I saw, this one is uh, in The Shout, uh, and it's titled Battling Misinformation in the Global Spirits World. Um and there is a thing called the World Spirits Alliance, an international trade association that provides a common forum for exchange between spirits producers and acts as a representative voice on issues of global relevance. And they've come out. So the thing that they want to, the misinformation that they want to battle um, comes down to this. The WSA is also passionate about ensuring that all health all public health measures targeting spirits be proportionate and evidence-based. That would seem like a reasonable expectation of our lawmakers. Unfortunately, regardless of their country of origin, most WSA members have encountered the problems of spirits being misconceived or even deliberately misrepresented as stronger and more dangerous than other alcohol beverages. Sometimes competing alcohol producers encourage this view, but so, aka wine and beer. Which can get up to 15%. (laughs) Yeah, some countries uh, have a lower legal drinking age for beer or wine, while others prohibit spirits advertising that allow, uh, but allow advertising, which is what we were talking about for beer. Um, the I was reality say, is, cry me a little river on that one. Haven't we had that the whole time? Well, <laughs> that well, but beer has always been seen mm. as a drink of moderation because it has been. You know, remember, like, look at the Hogarth paintings, Gin Street and Ale Alley, or mm. whatever it was, where you know, gin was a scene of debauchery where everyone had rosy cheeks and <laughs> picture of health because beer was healthy. And this is one of the things that I keep coming back to. The reality is, all alcohol, ethanol is the same, and a standard drink has the same amount of alcohol with the same effects on the body, whether it's consumed as beer, wine or spirits. From a health perspective, what matters is how much alcohol is consumed and the pattern of consumption. And yes, in a sense, like that's true. Like if you have one standard drink, but this is where, um, you know, the Spirits Council, you know, um, when Vodka Cruises came out, um, if you are an 18 or 19 year old um, pouring yourself a vodka, an orange... That ain't going to be one standard drink or even oh, well, 1.5 standard Well, drink. no, but if, if you do, like that, that was it. You know, I can only speak from my own experience and the experience that I've seen of people the same age yeah. is that if you're going to do shots that is just – and then you grimace because it's you have the alcohol burn. Yeah. You know, you don't see too many 18-year-olds sipping a whiskey no. neat. They, they shoot it because the taste is so horrible. Yeah. Um, and spirits makers – one of the issues with alcohol of all times – is we have become so good at making alcohol palatable that it is very easy to drink. And you know, even going back 15 years ago, brewers started saying, we can't hang around for people to acquire the bitter taste, you know, the, the bitterness taste of beer mm-hmm. when, out, when spirits producers are sugaring their vodka. You know, if you had a vodka cruiser, it, it tasted like a lemon solo. You didn't taste. They hid the flavour of the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, they can say this, but 
I would almost guarantee that if you are 18 and make it, mixing your own vodka and orange versus a pre a UDL vodka and orange, the food scientists have made the vodka and orange in the can much more palatable. So you can mm-hmm. smash. And you know, why would you call any alcohol as smashable um, on, on your labelling? Why would any industry describe alcohol as smashable? Because you're just no, basically saying you can come in and drink shitloads of it, even yeah. though the standard drinks, you know, the recommended standard drinks are mm-hmm. coming down. And this is, again, like I've got no, I don't own a brewery, but as somebody who watches the industry, I can't understand why the industry is playing in things that look like sweetened RTDs. Because you know, I talked about it last week and so I'm, you know, Groundhog Day, but this is exactly the argument clear as day that the alcohol that the spirits industry is going to use and they're not going to put their beard tax up higher they're going to lower it and if you actually have to compete on price with these global giants who can make five percent alcohol taste like fanta without any of the bitterness or, or things like that beer is going to be out competed so the more you try and make your drinks taste like that you're actually opening the door for them to come in and eat your lunch i think and was it just me, listeners, or did anyone else hear Matt say World Spirits Alliance and just picture all sitting around a la <laughs> Dr. Evil's lair? At their monthly meetings. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, look, I'll be honest, I would love a good bottle I've of scotch. I've never heard of the World Spirits Alliance. No, but it, again, because <laughs> it's an overarching body design. It, well, you, you heard um, when I did the Alcohol Beverages Australia, the, 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 the chat with them, as mm-hmm. you sort of said, there are so many common interests around health and things like that. But then you never want to be sitting around the table when it comes to things like excise because, you know, the the, the winemakers who have the most favourable treatment and, you know, perception-wise, you know, have done so well at promoting themselves, the, the, the brewers and the distillers all have very, very different arguments because that's where they, they misalign. And mm-hmm. that's why they've got these other associations to create those arguments that well you know a standard drink is a standard drink is a standard drink no matter how much sugar we pump into it to make mm-hmm. this neutral spirit taste of nothing again an health and safety equivalent of um you know local councils going out and, and painting all of the speed humps um to look like the road you're not taking away the speed humps you're yeah just, you're just hiding them and that's, oh, that, yeah. That, that, yeah. so at a party you know that that alcohol and feeling of the feeling of having drunk some alcohol was the built-in speed hump that that got you Slowed to slow you down. down. Yeah. Like, oh, I might just might just might just uh, ease off and, and sip the next couple, you know. Um, whereas if it's all you're tasting is sugar, uh, then the hit's going to come. You know, the alcohol is going to hit you. And um, like, again, eighteen, nineteen-year-olds aren't going to sit at home getting some orange juice, some vodka, and then three tablespoons of sugar to stir it in. Mm-hmm. That's right. But if it comes pre-mixed, um, you know, again, like just speaking completely personally, like I have no issues if a bottle of 40% whiskey has lower excise, but I would hate to see, you know, just from a responsible service point of view, I would hate to see pre-mixed ones because it incentivizes the hiding of the taste of, you know, it's just why things like bourbon tend to be, a young person's drink mm. and whiskey tends to be an older person's drink because it's sweeter. Um, you know, Southern Comfort, all of these drinks. And that's the thing that makes them different, that they do have a much higher potential than a 5% beer, um, particularly a 5% beer that, dare I use the phrase, tastes like beer. <laughs> but if you're creating beer that has next to no bitterness because kids don't want bitterness, you can't hide and, – and, and you say it knowing that, well, young people don't like bitterness of beer – you are actually opening the door to be legislated out of existence because you're mm. doing exactly what the anti-alcohol campaign is saying that you're doing. Beer is an adult drink, as you say, Pete. That's right. It's an earned privilege. Uh, do we have there time to sneak one more in? Just one. Yeah, it's 56 minutes. I'll be very, very quick because this will probably be something that we can park to next week. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to something from Cicerone. Um, and, you know, I, Pete, love this is anything. Ray, Ray Daniels Cicerone? Cicerone, yep, yep. Love anything that moves the ball forward on beer education, anything that actually yep. makes people think more about beer and elevates the experience in the service rather than just sitting at the football, you know, necking 
cups of beer to make the plastic cup snake, and this doesn't want to download. Um, okay, there's a um, guide to beer glassware that I saw on my social media where Cicerone was sharing, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, interesting to see what they do. And they've got some of the classic beer styles. You know, a beer, like you've got a dimpled English mug, and then you've got a um, tulip a glass. Handle. A handle, uh, don't they call it up north? Uh, well, that, oh, a oh, I wasn't. No, I don't the know. Dimple, the dimple glass. that I, mm. I, And it's funny you say that, Matt, because I automatically associate that with soider or scrumpy. Soider. Um, but oh, I'm sure okay, they yeah. call it, yeah, the, the colloquial term is a handle. And this is where it's funny. So they've got things like they've got the – do you remember the old footed Pilsner glass that, you know, they used to give away with a uh, six-pack of um, Crown Lager? You know, the it was the – Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah. That uh, Matilda Bay brought out. Yeah, that, that, that sort of thing. But so they, they've got the pub mug, the nonic point, the tulip point, the goblet, the tulip, um, the French jelly glass, you know, the, if you're wondering, the um, Whitbeer glass. You know, the, the snifter, yeah. the, sh- the American shaker point, the stang, which is the um, Kolsch glass. And th- they've got all these glasses and they've got descriptions like, and then they've got the German litre-sized mass, um, uh, or you know, the, the Oktoberfest glass. Litre-sized glass associated with beer gardens and Oktoberfest can be used for any lager less than 6% ABV. I'll put a link in the show notes. I'd be really interested if our listeners go and look at it because... Will the glass explode if you put a six and a half percent? <laughs> well, the, 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 this is what I wanted to talk about because, on one hand, education about the sensory properties of glassware vitally important for a cicerone. You know, talk about aroma and smell and taste and mouthfeel and how the shape of the beer glass impacts on those. Having a, an incredibly reductive thing that pulls out historical beer styles and look if you're having an Oktoberfest event yourself you want the Oktoberfest glass not because it does anything for the taste of the beer but it makes you feel like you're enjoying the Oktoberfest experience. You also want 4,000 people around you doing exactly the same thing at the same time. Absolutely yeah. Singing that's all part of the experience. But there's no sensory element to an Oktoberfest glass other than the perception and the experiential thing which is the theatre and and, and you can never take away that as part of your enjoyment of beer Cicerone is meant to be about the sensory elements and the things, and to say that you know, like a, you know, that the handle of beer or the dimpled pint is the right glass in a sensory capacity, which I presume is what the Cicerone program should be about, rather than just celebrating, you know, historical beer styles. You know, like it, it's a marketing. This is a marketing document, um, not a education document that talks about you know. You can also say that you know, more recently the butt plug glass from um, and everyone in the office just looked askance. <laughs> They're at me. all like, "What?" You know, what did the the Spiegel? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I, you know, I know the, what you mean. The, yeah. the, the, the dimpled that yeah, was supposedly yeah. the IPA glass that was a repurposed wine industry glass that yeah. they couldn't sell, and they just thought, "Let's try uh, you know, in this Instagram," and it, and it took off. Oh God. Great marketing. Marketing. Look, I was going to say, nothing yeah, to do, zero to do with the sensory perception. But they're not holding that up as a, you know, as a, as a glass. Whereas in Spiegelau repurposed a wine glass, and this is my take on it. Spiegelau repurposed the wine glass. It took off on social media. Everyone else brought out a very similar, you know, um, glass, and then created a justification why this is the best glass for particular beer styles. It's not. We all taste, yeah, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, have, have a look at it. And, you know, am, am I just sort of thinking, well, this is retrograde and reductive for supposedly the leading trade sensory education body, you know, about beer to be putting out? Because it just confirms all of the worst stereotypes about beer glasses without actually educating anyone about sensory or what they should be looking at to make a beer glass, a good beer glass to serve something in. Yep, no, good point. And we are all about, you know, highlighting the best in beer. And that is stuff like cryo malt. It's stuff like rallings, labels, stickers and packaging, um, scarf fabricating and thirsty merchants, who we all thank for uh, for this episode. Do you see what I did there, man? I did, Pete. You brought it to Super a beautiful man. close. You brought it in for landing. A neat little boat. A gentle <laughs> touchdown. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, enjoy your week. Uh, for those who, you know, have a sporting bent, um, Drink some beer. Get out and do some stuff. Because it's six months until the <laughs> NRL and AFL seasons start again. And um, you don't like cricket, Pete. Cricket. 
Well, who knows what it's going to look like this year? That's Matt. true. People living in Australia with English heritage might might qualify for the uh, English Test team oh. if the if the real ones can't get over here. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. But it, my my point was, uh, get out, do something, uh, do something maybe that you you wouldn't normally do, and that could be drink local and wear a mask. Either way. Mm-hmm. And wear a mask. Well, you're yeah, out, well, hopefully out. they have been wearing a mask. Mm. Thanks very much to Cry Malt, to Rowling's Label Sickens Packaging and to Scar Fabricating and our good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail for making this all possible. Thanks, Claire, and thanks, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Cheers, Pete. Enjoy your week, and uh, the same to you, dear listeners. Um, and until next week, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other, and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. <laughs>